What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am so excited today for our guest. He has been in hospitality since 1980, one of the most well-known technologists in the restaurant space, founder of FS Tech. He was on the board of the National Restaurant Association for eight, nine years, chairman of the Tech Advisory Board at Penn State for the last 23 years. He is now the founder and CEO of the IFBTA. Uh, He's got a big personality, a bigger heart. But you don't know anyone who has bigger screen space than this guy. Welcome to the podcast, Rob Grimes. Hey, hey Zach. How are you? Doing, Doing good. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, so you just made me feel like really old. Oh. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, we work in technology, so that's really not a old place to be. But what I'm finding is if we weren't on video, it'd be easier to do this because then you actually nobody knows your age if you're not on video. And so you can talk about whatever and they and they just assume, oh, this guy must be like 12 years old or something like that, you know, so can't do that. Well, you look good, man. So first of all, IFBTA, and tell me what it stands for. Yeah, so it's the Food and Beverage, International Food and Beverage Technology Association. Um, it was started in 2015 and it is a not-for-profit uh, industry trade association. It's the only industry trade association focused on food and beverage technology. Um, it's very specific to food and beverage technology because you have the Hospitality Association. They actually have a group that focuses on lodging technology. Retail has one that does retail. And food and beverage sort of sits actually sort of in between both of them because it cuts over both ways. And um, so our purpose and mission in life is to promote, educate, uh, provide networking uh, in the technology space globally in all things food and beverage. But it cuts across lots of different areas. And I see you at all these trade shows. In fact, if you're wondering if you've met Rob or if you've seen Rob, just to think back to any of the trade shows you've been to this last year and think about who is at coffee, in line for coffee earliest and who has two portable monitors that he travels with. And that's Rob Grimes. So you've probably seen him around. He's at like every single trade show. You probably do just as many as I do, if not more. We did, we did 27 this year. I'm guessing, I'm guessing you probably did around the same. I'm not exactly sure because there's a lot of conferences. There's a lot of trade shows out there. And also I go to a lot of global things. So since our focus in food and beverage actually cuts across hospitality and retail, if you think of it that way, you've got all the major industry events in the uh, food service industry and the restaurant industry, but then you have the major events in retail and hospitality that cut over. So for instance, going to Nax, which is the convenience store, so you wouldn't think so, but if you think about convenience stores, you know, they are basically just like franchise restaurant operations. So they, they have food in them and a lot of them have partnerships. So I do all those. Uh, then I end up going to a lot of franchise conventions for different uh, groups uh, that are on the operator side. Then you add the global piece and then you have to add technology. in. so you got CES, you know, things that are straight, you know, technology in there. And so by the time you're done, I don't think I spend any time at home. <laughs> well, I want to dive into this, Rob, because 
you know, obviously you said, oh, that makes me feel old. But like, honestly, you have been you have been a champion for technology in a space that has been so resistant to technology. And my, my question is, why? why? Why historically? Now I feel like today restaurants are, are becoming a new breed. Uh, I remember right. back in the day when people said, you need to design your website mobile first. And there was all this mobile first, mobile first design. I think there's almost a digital first, digital first thought process happening with restaurants today. And, and they've become so um, accepting of technology. I, my question is, why historically weren't they? And why do you think they've, uh, you know, we've finally broken through? Right. Well, you've actually brought up like three or four different subjects there. But just starting with the first question, you know, why? Right. So I generally like to start out any conversation I have with people to remind them that I'm a restaurant manager first and a technology person second. So I didn't start out in technology. I started out in restaurants. And, you know, I was a Bob's big boy, you know, a restaurant manager, Roy Rogers, you know, Marriott Hotels. I just fell into technology being asked to do a project for Marriott. Um, and they wanted somebody from ops because traditionally technology in our industry has always been done by technology people, except when it came to doing things for people at the unit level, you had that people that understood operations. So the reason why I think it falls apart is because people thought of technology in the restaurant industry as sort of secondary. Obviously, the big chains and people like that knew that they needed to have it. But the local operators, if you look at who drives our industry, the uh, small to medium businesses and the independents, you know, if you have to make a, and even a franchisee, by the way, if you have to make a choice between putting in a, a, a technology as somebody either tells you you have to put in because of some regulation or it's mandated uh, by a franchisor or something, or buying a fryer and oven or something that you actually know generates, you know, a revenue for you. The tough part is, is that you can put your finger on and feel the revenue coming in on the one side, mm, right? But you yeah. can't necessarily say, because I put that in, now, this is a debate, but because I put that in, I'm generating more revenue. Now, what's changed there? So I anything I talk about is from the operator's perspective. It is uh, not as a technologist. I mean, if you asked me to write a macro in Excel, I can't do it. I mean, I'm not a programmer. I can't do it. But I can tell you how to or give you an opinion on how to put things together. So, so anything that I say, I believe it's operations first, technology is second. And you don't just do technology for the sake of it. You do it as an enabler to get where you need to be and taking care of customers and taking care of your operations, your staff, your shareholders. So, uh, you know, so that is my perspective in it. And the reason why things have changed is it is very difficult to say that COVID was a gift. You know, to say that is just, when you think about what our world went through and, and all the people that died and all the things with COVID. On the other hand, for our industry, while we had a lot of industry problems, it caused us to be able to refocus and develop new ways of generating revenue, but it brought technology to the front, okay? And we were already headed, and gosh, I mean, you should know this because you're on the digital side of what you're doing. You know. We were already headed for people not being technology, uh, chief technology officers, but chief digital officers, you yeah. know, who these corporations, we were already headed there. 
But what COVID did is it caused every independent, every small to medium business, even chains that didn't do delivery to all of a sudden get in technology. And all of a sudden, now we have the exact opposite problem that the budget is moving faster than the technology. It used to be the technology is faster than the budget. So that's what changed. And that's why the attitude is different now. And that's why every SMB, every independent realizes they need to put it in. Yeah, I think that's, it's been very interesting to see this, this transition because likewise, I mean, I grew up in hospitality and the, when, when you talk about restaurant technology, it was a point of sale that, that was the restaurant technology, yep. right? And now you have people that are saying, Hey, do we even need a point of sale? And should we, could we just use our online ordering systems and our loyalty and just like run our business that way? And it just, it's interesting to see the conversations that are happening now. And you gave a very, um, very just interesting, enlightening, thought provoking talk uh, that was at FS Tech, was it? Or where, where, where did FS Tech? Yeah. And um, so talk to me a little bit about the future of like, what do you feel like is the future of, of technology, and if I needed to narrow it in, the future of technology in the restaurant space, like what does that look like? Yeah, so there is no you know one one industry. I mean, the restaurant space, the lodging space, the retail space, even healthcare, any people service business go hand in hand. So if you want to predict where technology is going to come from, you can't just look at you can't just look at our own space. You look at the other spaces around us and what they're doing. And, and from that, you get ideas, you know, like loyalty. I mean, you know, you're in, in, in loyalty and you're in promotion. You know, nobody really did it better for years than the casinos. You know, they knew how to figure out who their customer was, what their preferences were, what they wanted to do. And um, so, you know, why not look to them to show the way, you know? Uh, and so we see, you know, a lot of these things, uh, you know, that are out there. I agree with you by 100%, by the way. Point of sale was always the center of the universe. Today, that center of the universe has shifted to the back office, whatever whatever you want to call a back office system. You know, I mean, it's got a lot of components to it, but everything comes in centrally. And point of sale is like the last thing you actually really have to think about. It's a data collection device. And yes, there are point of sale providers that, that do everything from loyalty to, to back office and everything. But really, the thing that ties it all together is the back office because you got to go to the outside world. And you got to connect with people. And I also agree with you that the thought of of actually having physical devices in the future, we're not going to have, you know, we will we will gradually make a change. That change will be to bring your own device, which means that the customer is already bringing their own device in because of the online ordering and things that you're talking about. And the employees are going to bring their own device in. And so. At some point, there are no devices, so all we're left with is digital, which is software, right? And software doesn't have to, you know, uh, doesn't have to be, and does isn't at the unit level. So I think we're going to see a complete change to totally software environment that uh, doesn't require hardware, and then the hardware is going to be whatever it is that the person who's using it wants it to be. And what I mean by that. You know, if we just talk about right now, because we could talk about like lots of years out, but if we talk about like right now, what we're talking about are handheld terminals. But if we really go, you know, uh, you know, phones and things like that, right? But if we really want to take the next step, I always believed in watches, yeah, as a communication device and glasses. Now we can have a debate about glasses, which we actually did before we got on here, you know, about eyesight, right? But 
what exactly is a kiosk, right? A kiosk people used to think was a thing on a stand and a kiosk now can be a phone sitting on a table, right? So it really doesn't matter what we think it is. It's how it actually works. And so I do believe in wearables in watches because people want to have things and for health reasons and stuff, they're going to have it on them. And that is a device. But I also think when we talk about glasses, it's funny because technology changes like every day. And that's why you should never script, never script a speech in technology. And what I've learned there is that, first of all, I believe that we won't be glasses long term because people are getting lenses put in, physical lenses in their eyes, which are basically glasses. But those lenses can receive signal. Therefore, what we're going to see is people who are who have bad eyesight or even blind being able to see again, which is already possible. So those lenses are going to show us the things that we need to cook, to do stuff. So we don't really need to have glasses. We need to have something we can see in the eye, right? And what, the last 30 days, 60 days, the government approved hearing aids, you know, could be uh, something. Uh, and all of a sudden, I was wondering why all these hearing aid commercials are showing up on TV. Well, all of a sudden, you got these little things you stick in your ear, right? That you can't even see. So now we have sight and we have hearing. So it's not even going to be the glasses and there won't be devices. And that is something I have long believed is the the world of VR, I think, is going to be around. I think that's going to be uh, that that is going to be popular. But I think AR has so much more capabilities. And just for those of you who are listening, virtual reality, an immersive experience. Think of like goggles that you put on and the whole world around you changes. AR is augmented reality, which is think of like when you're flying a jet and things pop up in your display. And and I totally agree with you, Rob, of like, you know, I, I know you've invested a lot into screens, but I'm glad to hear you say this because I also agree that the whole concept of, of screens is going to go away eventually. I think I think it will be placed. Uh, be I think it will be replaced with wearables. I think um, and you know literally on my desk right now I have a portable monitor. You carry a monitor that attaches to your laptop screen. Like the monitors uh, and screens are going to become a commodity, and it's going to be the devices that we wear, the devices that are on us that are going to become the you know the the right. point of data. But to your point, I do agree that as the years, as we progress, screens are going to go away entirely to be replaced with the heads-up displays and the the, uh, the uh, augmented reality. And I think, you know, then what happens with training? Then what happens with, you know, customer uh, service? And a kiosk, by the way, I think to your point, a kiosk is a... Uh, a stepping stone in time of technology. What a kiosk is going to be in in 15 years, we're going to look at the kiosk like we do, like we look at the DVR, right? The DVR was the cross between a record and a DVD. It was a technological stepping stone. And, and the VCR. And, and the, yeah, I know, the VCR is before your time, but I get that. <laughs> oh, no, I, I used to wear out my, VC, my, my VHS tapes. But yeah, like, you had you had like the 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 big records and then the VHSs and then we didn't jump right to the DVDs. But what it looks like is not important. What it does is the important piece. I mean, you brought up you know you brought up the augmented reality, the VR, the goggles. I I'm never 
going to, I have put goggles on, but I am never going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I don't see any reason why I need to, because you also use the word, you slid it in there of immersive technology. And that is where I think it's going to be. That's creep. None of this is new. It's all out there in the imagination. You go look at the old Star Trek stuff and they go into the room and the room becomes the forest and, you know, whatever it is that they're that's immersive technology. There are restaurants. You know what? I'm going to London in two weeks from now and I'm going to go over there and look at two things. I'm going to go look at the restaurant that has immersive technology that you sit and you dine. You can be under the sea or in the dinosaurs. I think it's still open, uh, it opened right before COVID. And I'm going to go take a look at the restaurant where you can go ahead and eat by mist where uh, the mist comes up and you can taste the food and stuff like that. But the physical food is made um, in 3D printers. And I think they're both still open. I'm not positive of that, but they were open in 2019 and they opened at a bad time. Uh, But I think they're still there. So all your core technologies are there. So when you bring up goggles, I did pieces on this uh, at CES maybe 10 years ago on glasses, the original Google glasses and stuff, which I would never wear, you know, but it was showing you what the future would be, right? And all the wearables that are there. So it's not going to necessarily, you should not need to have glasses or special screens. It should be the normal stuff that you do that creates the environment around you. And that is all available today. It may be expensive. And by the way, your point about screens, you know, you, you know that that I carry, you know, a fold, you know, uh, which has the screen in it. And I'm waiting for the new one that comes out, which was shown at CES this year, which is a trifold. But it's a seven inch tablet in a trifold. So why do I even need to have a PC? I'll just take my phone. I'll just go ahead and eventually I'll unroll it. OK, yeah. but right now I can't unroll it. But I will open it up into a trifold into a seven inch. And I will just sit it down with a keyboard if I even need a keyboard because voice recognition is getting so good that I shouldn't really need a keyboard, you know. And um, and now I have my PC. And so next time you see me talking about, I won't need to have three screens because I'm just going to tell it, bring in this, bring in that, you know, and just do it that way. Which, by the way, eventually, if you want to follow the movies, you know, go to Minority Report. And you remember, you know, Tom uh, Cruise up there going like this and like this, moving stuff this yeah, way and this yeah, yeah. way, you know. That's where it's eventually going to go. But that wasn't a screen either, right? That was just sort of up there. But we're already moving this way. We're moving this way. You're bringing them up, you know, and augmented reality, immersive technology, you know, uh, the VR training. You know, I I did show a video when we were at uh, FS Tech about training coming from, uh, uh, oh, shoot, uh, from one of the movies that were out there. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, downloading into the chip in your brain, you know, how to fly a helicopter, you know? Oh, yeah. That is, that is where we're headed. And by the way, that exists today. We are we are getting there today. We are curing Alzheimer's patients who are losing memory by putting a chip in their brain. Okay. And and I fully believe that we will uh, that we will go ahead and, and store information that's coming through the eye because it's a camera. And we'll store it on a chip that's embedded in us and be able to recall that way. We'll cure Alzheimer's by, by providing those types of digital things. That means instruction as well. As soon as our, our body is connected to a network, either through a wearable or through a chip that we may have, medical devices do communicate today that are implanted, right? You don't have to hold a phone up anymore to, you know, to send information to your doctor, right? It's almost like if, you're, if our bodies get connected, and we're able to see or hear things, even if if phase one is a glass that has a screen on it and an earplug, great. 
but that is downloadable training. That's exactly what you were talking about. Interesting. There, there is some, and honestly, the future, there's a book called The Future is Faster Than You Think. And I think that it's a fascinating book, just thinking about how there's all of these futuristic innovations, but when they hit, they hit hard. I mean, think about the iPhone. You guys, that was 2007, right? And you cannot, I, I saw this, uh, I was on, on this last Sunday, I was with uh, this elderly woman and she was talking about how she couldn't imagine her life before the iPhone. And I'm like, she's like almost 90, right? And so technology is coming a lot faster than you think. And these crazy outlandish ideas in 15 years are going to be pretty, you know, obviously not all of them are going to hit, but the ones that hit are going to seem so commonplace that we're going to have a hard time. We're going to listen back to this podcast and be like, wait, why was that even? Well, duh, you know, um, it's like going back to the eighties and be like, we're going to have electric cars. It's like, wait, what? And then now it's like, well, duh. So I think, think about all this, Rob, I think one of the biggest pieces to all of this and the reason that all of this technology is getting driven forward is about the customer experience. And so in the restaurant space, I'd love to get your thoughts on like, what are the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? So uh, you are so right. The difference for guest experience today is how they define the experience versus how they would have defined it before. I think anybody who follows a traditional experience the definition of experience being the traditional one, hey, we're going to serve somebody, we have to have a server, you know, we have to welcome them in, you know, uh, we have to be able to explain things, why we're different. We have a culture, right? Hmm. Culture is sort of an interesting word because they're not properly defining it because you got to go with the guest. The guest may be experiencing you without ever meeting you, without ever coming in, right? Mm -hmm. They may experience your food. And by the way, during COVID, I interviewed a guy in Canada who had some restaurants who was trying to explain to me how they put the corporate culture into a food delivery. So the only way he could figure out how to do it, because he couldn't control the people who were delivering the food necessarily, was he did certain signature items that were part of what their culture was, like how they may have made drinks. And once they got alcohol delivery, you know, to be okay, you know, but, you know, we tend to lose Hospitality is not always going to be about the personal touch, about touching a person, right? We may touch them, they may experience us, but you got to follow the guest, how they want their experience. And their experience may be fine without ever coming and seeing your unit. There are virtual brands out there that will never go in and see it, right? But they will have, they will experience you through taste, through when they do deal with you, whatever culture we're probably going to end up creating. Now, and I'm starting to think about this as we're talking, virtual cultures. You know, if you want to think about it, you know, we've seen those cultures created in the movies where they where they insert things and, and these restaurants don't exist, you know, but yet you can order food from them. And so you you have a picture in your mind of what they look like and, you know, but they don't exist. So we have to change our view of the guest experience because the guest is going to experience us in many different ways. And, and they choose how they want to do it. Some like the 90 year old lady is going to want to come in and have somebody write something down. They're not going to order themselves. Right. And they want to do it that way. And then some are 
going to want to bypass you even in a fine dining restaurant and just order themselves, but let me research the wines and the pairings and choose, you know, from it because people do number one thing that they do before they go someplace is they look it up, they look at the menus and they figure it out. Right. So the guest has to control the experience. And if we are not creating experiences that meet all guests from little kids up to the 90 year old lady, we're not doing our job. And so they are dictating it and we have to follow. And it is not the traditional experience that they get today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is spot on. And I think when we think about meeting the guests where they're at, that's the thing that hospitality has always been around the guest experience, right? And the fact is, there is a fragmentation of guest expectations that there has never been in the history of the world. I mean, think about it. I, I, I was just thinking about with like my church. If I want to communicate with people in my church, 10 years ago, I made a post on Facebook and the kids got it and the grandparents got it. And now it's like, you know, only the grandparents are on Facebook. And then like some people are on, how, how do you post a message on TikTok to people? You can't. And then what about, you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's so many methods of communication, which is right. why one of the things that, that we've done at Ovation specifically is we've stuck to texting because texting is one that we find is still a very universal, very um, high. Everyone has a phone. Okay. Yes. They may not have a computer. But they have a phone, but you have convergence. Boy, I haven't used the word convergence in years. But I used to talk about convergence, how phones and computers are coming together, right? And communication, phones, computers are coming together. You know, video on phones, right? And movies. So, so you have this convergence going on. So the, you are right. The one thing that is a standard is they have a, you know, we probably should stop using the word phone. And maybe they have a personal communications device somewhere on them. Because what exactly is a phone? I mean, I go out walking, you know, with my wife and I take my calls on my watch. You know, yeah. I speak to my watch as I'm watching. So I, that is a phone, right? But it looks like a watch. So, so it's a personal, my personal communications device. Everybody has to have one, whether it's a physical device or it's an embedded device, which it may be down the road. So I think you are right. So the texting is interesting to me because as I think about this, we all have a vision of what a text is, but it's really an instant message, which is what people have talked about because I was looking at something this morning and it said, you know, what's your instant messaging methods, right? So text is an instant message. Whether that text is delivered as text or whether it's delivered it by voice, which, you know, I get texts read out to me sometimes and I dictate them, right? So I think you're on to the right thing. Perhaps we need to change some terms here. Mm -hmm. you know, because over time, the guest experience will not be something called a text, which denotes something that they can they physically have defined, but they are going to get instant messaging uh, uh, to a personal device. And I think you're absolutely right to focus on that because it's the universal thing. Well, and, and even think about this. The uh, last year, texting was the number one activity on a a mobile phone calling is actually number five right people like the the I, I have used my phone for hours in a day and i've looked at my calls zero 
zero calls, zero seconds talking on the phone. And I used my phone for hours in that day. And so I just think it's very interesting that I think you're absolutely right. The definitions are changing. At least when you go out to dinner, I hope that you actually talk to the people across the table from you instead of sitting there texting them. I I am. (laughs) I venture to say that texting, you know, has taken over for even verbal communications when you can do it. You can pick up a phone and go call somebody, but much easier just text them. Yep, absolutely. Now I know we're running out of run out of time. So real quick, I do want to get this. Any any tactics, any strategies that you'd recommend to listeners? Yeah, you know, so as I look at technology, you know, the number one strategy that I use is go with the consumer. So any technology that I'm going to focus on, including texting, which you are talking about, you know, I take the lead from consumer technologies across the board. I don't think that there's anything that we would okay. You know, an oven is an oven, but even then, you know, refrigerators and ovens, smart ones are coming from the home, right? Yeah. So, you, so if you want to know what's going to come in the back kitchen, you go to consumer electronics and you go look at the home section and see what they're doing there for, you know, integrated uh, devices and security and things like that. So I say go with the consumer, let the consumer technologies drive what we're doing. And let's not focus on having to build our own uh, in it. Let's focus on taking advantage of what is coming from the consumer and then using it in a way because the consumer has to connect. And so I, I guess the one piece of advice I make is, is always, you know, follow the consumer technologies uh, and, and then layer on top of it, you know, how we need to use them in the restaurant industry. Yeah, I love that. Makes a lot of sense. Last question, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Who's someone that's doing interesting things we should follow? So it's interesting, and I'm not going to give you a cop-out answer on this. You know, I could, there are lots of interesting people out there, you know, and there's, and and by the way, they're not necessarily in the rest, if you're talking technology, they may not necessarily be in the restaurant industry, right? But I also find uh, some great people in the restaurant industry who are investing in technology, which I find very interesting because they, they're like me. They got a hat on. One hat is operations. The other hat is technology, right? Um, but my cop-out or non-cop-out is I actually have to say that the heroes in this industry today are the, are the IT people that are actually working in it. And what I mean by that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people recently. If you worked in an IT department, in a small to medium, even a large company, you reported to a CFO, there, you know, you didn't get respect per se, you didn't get your budget, you were an overhead item. And mm-hmm. when it came down to it, and, and, you know, and we were in an emergency situation, and I literally overnight, literally, I, I really mean, actually, one night to the next morning, we had to shut the doors, but yet we were going to continue to operate because we knew people have to eat, so they have to get orders, right? And if you knew the number of companies that did not have that in there, that overnight some IT person in that company had to put it together and make it work. And it had to be secure because nobody got rid of the uh, security issues and it had to be safe, you know, for health reasons. Right. And so I I just got to tell you that if I'm giving a standing ovation to anybody out there, it is going to be, you know, to all of the people, you know, who work in the IT departments or lead it in their organizations that were not necessarily sitting at the table. But they sit at the table now, and I think that there's a different sort of respect because they're just as important in an operation today, you know, as the person who has to work in the kitchen. And and by the way, the person in the kitchen can't do it 
if they don't have the technology to support them, whether it's smart kitchen equipment, whether it's food technology itself, whether it's choosing the right things to make customers happy. You know, so, you know, I, I just sit there and go, this group of people never got the respect. They didn't get the awards. They didn't get the things out there. But today, highly respected, they are the leaders in our companies. Love it. Totally. And that's not a cop out. No, no, no. I, I love it, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Uh, and how do people find and follow you in the IFBTA? Well, I'd like to tell you that we're everywhere and and we better be everywhere. And if we're not, we will be. Um, we don't have to go to all these conferences and you don't have to get up early in the morning and go find me sitting somewhere in a coffee shop. But uh, certainly, you know, at the IFBTA.org, uh, you would find us there. However, the recent announcements that we've done in the IFBTA in the last two months, I think are going to bring our global community together. Uh, we implemented communities and people are now able to uh, communicate. Uh, I call it sort of like birds of a feather. Uh, so they need to get to the IFBTA uh, website. That they can do it mobily. And from there, they will be able to join communities, whether you're a supplier, whether you're an operator, whether you're in pizza or you know fast food or, or whether you're interested in point of sale. Everybody has their special interest groups. And on an impartial basis, that's where we are. If you are looking for something or you don't understand how something works, we're that impartial source that should be able to give you the information, understand point of sale, back office, you know, digital marketing and things like that so that you can make your own decisions, but you get that information. And the other thing is that you will find us globally. It doesn't have to be a chapter. We do have chapters. It doesn't have to be a chapter. It doesn't have to be an event. It can be virtual and digital. Um, but um, I think the place to start is to uh, go to join us, which you can do, and then take advantage of whatever it is you want, education, networking, the communities, you know, and, and I think you'll see as we go into 2023, we're going to be in even more places than we were in the past. Awesome. Well, Rob, for being a tech pioneer in the restaurant space, for helping us see the minority report into a majority reality, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Given Ovation. Well, I'm glad we got to do this. And, you know, I see you at all these events, too. So it's a, a great opportunity for me to uh, give you an ovation every time I see you and you're at the event speaking and doing things as well. So thank you. Well, thanks, Rob. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.